I think. I think today um, I broke the Christian Reformed record for four baptisms in a row. <laughs> this will be my legacy. Uh, please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. We are uh, reading the Gospel lectionary text for today. It's two tiny little parables. Interestingly, um, this is the text that I preached on in my very first sermon after my ordination. Isn't that interesting? Um, and now it's my second to last sermon. Make of that whatever you want. Uh, Matthew 13, beginning at verse 44. Listen to God's word. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. So these parables are kingdom parables. These are um, parables that Jesus tells that talk about the kingdom of God. Uh, in, um, in Matthew, Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. Luke and John call it the kingdom of God. Same thing, different names. So what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven? That's a hard question to answer. Uh, it's really hard to put words around what the kingdom of God is, which is why when Jesus talks about it, he talks about it in parables. It's like, well, what can I say? How can I put this? Hmm, the kingdom of God is like, I mean, if it was something he could just point to, he would just point to it, right? But he has to tell us what it's like so that we can kind of get the vibe and maybe ourselves see it whenever um, it shows itself. So the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is a reality that is present and growing in our world. The kingdom of God is, a re is the reality of God's love for us. It's the reality of God's love for the world. The kingdom of God is the reality of the true value of things. That the first are last. That the weak are strong. That despite what the news says, the meek will inherit the earth. And so every once in a while, every now and then, we get these glimpses of the kingdom. We, we, we see something, or we talk to someone, or we have this little epiphany, and we just, you know what, that felt like a glimpse. That felt like a moment when I experienced or understood or felt the kingdom of God. It, it comes and goes here and there. So the problem is that the kingdom of God is veiled. That's the way Scripture talks about it. it it's like it's behind a veil. It's almost like it's hidden um, we can't always see it. And in fact, sometimes we just can't see it at all. Sometimes it's hard to believe that the kingdom of God does exist or even has existed because things can get so bad. Um, but one day in the future, Jesus tells us, the kingdom of God will be so abundantly clear to everyone in the whole world. One day, it will be totally obvious. The veil 
will be torn in two. We will see right into the reality of things. We will see the kingdom of God because heaven will come to earth and Jesus will be here with us and we'll look around and we'll see that evil is gone and we'll see that injustice is gone and we'll, we will see that brokenness is gone and every creature on earth will experience the fullness and the joy that they have always longed for. One day... We will say, now I see it. Now I understand. How could I have been so blind? It was there all along. It was there all along and I missed it. That's one day. But it's not today. Today we get glimpses of it. We get moments of it. Today, the kingdom of God is hidden. Uh, so Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God in Matthew 13 and other places because he really, really wants us to embrace his kingdom. He wants us to live in the reality of this sometimes imperceptible kingdom. So let's take a close look at these two little parables. Um, I'm so fascinated by how these parables at the same time are so similar and yet so different. The similarities in these parables are, are pretty obvious, so we don't have to rehash the similarities, but the differences are really telling. Think about this. Uh, that first parable, the one about the buried treasure, the man who goes out um, and, and eventually finds the treasure is a common working man. He's probably a day laborer. People didn't uh, really have jobs or, or, or um, you know, long-term working situations. This guy was probably a day laborer. So he shows up at the city square in the morning hoping that someone will come in and hire him, hoping, him, hoping that he'll be able to work for his daily bread. Um, he's, he's a guy who's poor, hand-to-mouth, struggling to make ends meet. And on this particular day, he's hired to work in a field just outside of town. Great news. He's going to eat today. While he's out there working in the field, he literally trips and falls over a treasure. <laughs> like a pirate treasure chest is what I imagine. That is somehow hidden in this field. Let's say it's worth a million billion dollars. It's just a ridiculous amount of money. Now, you'll notice the man was not looking for treasure. He was not a treasure hunter. He was just trying to earn his day's wage. But while he was going about his daily tasks, while he was going about his daily life, daily life, it's not so much that he found the treasure, it's more so that the treasure found him. Like the treasure jumped up and just bit him in the ankle. And so he thinks to himself, he's like, what's the right play here? How do I make that stuff my stuff? <laughs> right? How do I, I want that. How do I get that? So he decides, I'm going to sell my house, and I'm going to sell my tools, and I'm going to sell my goats, and I am going to sell the shirt off my back. He has almost nothing, but he sells everything that's not the nothing in order to make, the very, uh, to make a down payment on beginning to purchase the land. And when he does so, as soon as he signs the papers, the treasure is his. He hit the jackpot. The other parable is different. It's similar, but it's different. In the other parable, uh, the character is a wealthy man. He was a pearl merchant, merchant which is a pretty, pretty good gig. 
Uh, pearl merchants would, would travel the whole world buying and selling these little treasures, buying low, selling high, making massive profits wherever they went. So this guy was far from a day laborer. He had a career. He was a, blo- a globe-trotting businessman. And one day, this globe-trotting businessman lays eyes on a pearl that was not just the pearl of his dreams. It was a pearl that was so far beyond his wildest dreams. Uh, our Bibles, uh, the translation we read, say that it was a pearl of great value. That is grossly underselling it. The Greek text says that it was a pearl of unsurpassing value. Unsurpassing value, meaning that for him, there was not a value that could be attached to this pearl. It was literally priceless. It was a pearl of unsurpassing value. The value of the pearl could not be quantified. You know how some things can't be quantified, right? Uh, people talk about the Mona Lisa being, being priceless. People talk about uh, ancient relics or the Dead Sea Scrolls or whatever it may be being, being beyond currency, right? They're beyond currency, unsurpassing value. Uh, in my house, we have a dog named Oliver. When we first got Oliver as a puppy a few years ago, one of my sons asked me, Dad, would you trade Oliver for $100 million? And the second time I answered the question right. <laughs> second time the first time I answered too honestly the second time I got it right but for my sons in that moment a hundred million dollars I scoff at a hundred million dollars have you met Oliver what more could you ever ask for and I understood this because that's how I feel about them right what is a hundred million dollars I laugh at a hundred million dollars Unsurpassed value, uh, unsurpassing value, priceless. That's how this pearl merchant felt about this pearl. Now, here's the thing. The ironic twist in this parable is that it was this guy's job to assign value to pearls. (laughs) It's literally what he did every day, and he was good at it. He trotted the globe, assigning value to pearls. But he looked at this one pearl, and he just had to have it. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what the price was. So he makes what was certainly the worst business decision of his life. He sells his business. He sells his land. He sells every single one of his pearls. He sells all of his homes just so that he can have this one singular pearl, which to him was more valuable than anything else. He sold everything he had for this one non-liquid asset. Non-liquid, which means it, was, it had a lot of value, but he didn't have any, he couldn't trade it for a sandwich, Right? He couldn't use the value of his non-liquid possession. So, this guy in the end is poor. Functionally, practically, he's poor. He does not have bread for tomorrow. 
He went from wealth to poverty. He went from luxury to homelessness. One look at that pearl, and he was more than willing to give away every penny he had and tomorrow's bread just so that he could have it. Isn't that interesting? So we've got two very similar and yet very different parables, don't we? One man just kind of stumbles over the treasure, and the other one goes out looking for treasure. He was a pearl hunter. The one man gets rich in the process, and the other man gets poor in the process. But both of them, in the end, find themselves living in a completely different world. They find themselves to be in a completely different place. The treasure that they found impacted the way they looked at every other part of their lives, every other aspect of their lives. And at the end, they were both 100% content. No regrets. What does this tell us about the kingdom of God? It tells us that sometimes we find the kingdom of God when we're looking for it. And sometimes we find it when we're not looking for it. But either way, We've got to be on our toes because we've got to snag it, right? We've got to do what we have to do in order to grasp it, in order to get our hands around it. We have to act when we see it. These parables tell us that living in the kingdom of God will radically change the way that we value things. It will radically change the way that we value things to the point that our behavior will confuse those around us, right? It will look like we are making foolish investment, investments in things that will not pay off. But little do they know, we see a different value in things. The kingdom of God changes the way we value things. The kingdom of God tells us, uh, living in the kingdom of God shows us that we, we need to adopt discipline and imagination. We need discipline and imagination in order to live in the kingdom of God. Those are two seemingly kind of contradictory things. Discipline and imagination. They're a very unlikely pair. Uh, it, it seems to me that people who tend to be good at discipline tend to not be very imaginative. And people who are, tend to be more imaginative maybe aren't so good at discipline. You may go ahead and elbow the person next to you right now if you think that applies to them. If, they're not always found in the same person, right? It's a difficult combination. But in the kingdom of God, it is so important that we have both of those things, discipline and imagination. We need discipline because living in the kingdom of God is just like exercising a muscle. We exercise the muscle, and the more we do it, the stronger that muscle gets. And the more we do it, we increase that muscle memory. And the more we walk around and we identify and we live into and we appreciate these moments of kingdom enlightenment, the more we will see it, the more that muscle gets exercised. And failing to do that creates atrophy. So we need discipline. 
Remember, sometimes the kingdom of God will fall into your lap and sometimes it will not. Sometimes we have to be out there looking for it, like the pearl merchant. We have to have the discipline to go out there and look for it. And the reason that we need imagination is because the kingdom of God can be so, so hidden. It's everywhere, but it's hidden. We will pass right by the kingdom of God dozens, if not hundreds of time today, times today, unless we have the imagination to see it in those mundane circumstances and to engage with it. Jesus tells us that if we, if we, we don't have to wait in order to be in heaven, that it's with us along the way. We don't have to wait until heaven before we can live in the kingdom of heaven. We don't have to wait for heaven in order to live in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but that is what I want for my life, right? That is what I want for my life. I want to live in the kingdom of heaven. I want to see heaven where it may be found. And that's going to take some discipline and it's going to take some imagination. I'm not talking about make-believe. I'm not talking about pretending. I'm talking about imagination and creativity and having eyes to see a reality around us that ordinarily might be imperceptible. We need imagination to see the sacredness in all things. I'm a person who desperately wants to believe in the sacredness of all things. But it takes work, doesn't it? You remember the show Antiques Roadshow? I have no idea if it's still on. It's on PBS, if it, if it is. It's this reality show that's actually reality. Um, and what happens is, you're thinking, Antiques Roadshow. Wow, sounds like a thriller. It is, actually. I'm not kidding you. It is spellbinding. You watch the show and you just can't stop watching it. What happens is it's this traveling show and these group of people go around and they invite people to take their antiques in to have them appraised. So people bring these paintings and they bring heirlooms and they bring furniture and whatnot and they have them appraised by experts to determine their value. And sometimes uh, people will bring in something that they thought was just a piece of junk and they let the right person look at it, and the person says, this is worth $100,000. And they're like, what? And then other times, people will come in with these white gloves, and something will be framed, and they'll have it insured for a small fortune, and they'll very carefully set it down in front of the appraiser, and they'll say, that is worth nothing. And I don't know why, but I like those the best. <laughs> something is broken inside of me. That is why I want to watch the show. <laughs> I heard a pastor say once that when it comes to the kingdom of God, we should be living our lives like we are antique hunters for the kingdom. We should always be treasure hunting because there is so much real, eternal beauty around us all the time and most of the time, it is hidden in plain sight. 
So on a regular basis, this pastor says, we should have like a kingdom of God roadshow where we invite people into our living rooms and people who we love and trust, people whose wisdom we trust. And on a regular basis, we should bring to them what we found. We should bring to another what we found and experienced uh, so that we can show it to these experts in our lives and together we can appraise the value of those things. Appraise the value of those things. And the reason we need other experts, the reason we need other appraisers in our lives is because we don't always always have eyes for it, do we? We need other experts in our lives to help us discern the value of our findings. And here's why. There's a lot of fool's gold out there. You know what I mean? There's a lot of fool's gold out there. It can be so easy to convince ourselves that making money for the sake of making money is the kingdom of God, but it's not. It's fool's gold. It can be so easy to convince ourselves that enforcing rules for the sake of enforcing rules is the kingdom of God, but it is not. That is fool's gold. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I mentioned uh, Christian nationalism in my sermon. Boy, I'll tell you, you guys really liked it that I mentioned that. Because I don't know what the opposite of hate mail is. I guess it's love mail. I got so much love mail from people about saying, thank you for mentioning Christian nationalism. But what, what Christian nationalism, it's fool's gold, right? Because it's, it's packaged as the kingdom of God. It's packaged as something uh, religious, something spiritual, something Christian. But in reality, it's American exceptionalism and arrogance and raw political power with a Bible verse slapped on the front. And it's fool's gold. It's intoxicating and it's powerful, and it's tempting, and it's alluring, but it is not the real thing. It just kind of from a distance, if you cross your eyes, looks like the real thing. There's a lot of fool's gold out there. A lot of fool's gold. And you and I don't have to think very long to figure out what the fool's gold is in our own hearts, right? the things that we chase, the things that we desire, the things that we sell so much to have, even though it's not really filling the right tank, right? Fool's gold. We need discipline and imagination to find the kingdom of God all around us, to capture it at any cost, and then to share what we found for the enlightenment and wisdom of those around us. There's other kingdom parables about you better not keep that thing hidden, right? Because a treasure that's kept for yourself is no treasure at all. We have to share those things with one another. So here's my question for you today. Where have you stumbled upon the kingdom of God lately? Where 
Were you just walking along, minding your own business, and then out of nowhere, the kingdom of God just smacked you? And you saw something more beautiful than you had anticipated seeing. When is the last time that happened? Did you share that with anybody? You have to share it with us. You have to share it with us. Because we are yearning for experiences like that. We, those things can be rare. And if you're not sharing it with the rest of us, we can start to, that veil can get thicker and thicker and thicker until we can see nothing at all. Let's not take the kingdom of God for granted. We need you to share those things with us. Share it with somebody today. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who is looking for that one perfect pearl. We don't have to wait for heaven in order to start living in the kingdom of heaven. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would take away the veil so that we might see more often and more fully the true beauty around us. Show us the true value of things. Show us how the last are first and the weak are strong and how the meek will inherit the earth. Show us how you are making all things new and show us how we can participate in this redemption. We pray, Jesus, that this redemption would be happening on an ongoing basis in our hearts, in our relationships, in this church, in this world, and even beyond. We thank you for your love for this place, for these people, for this cosmos. We thank you that you have invested your treasure here. In your holy name we pray. Amen.